Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 130. Our Sunday worship service for August 25th is prayer. It is the first in our series, Loud and Clear. Everything starts with a deeper connection to God. See spirit at work in your life, and you're on your way to a life that works. So our scripture today, well, there it is. Mark eleven twenty three. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Huh. It's a big deal. I don't know about you, but I've spent more than one time in my life thinking that there is a mountain between me and whatever it is that I need to have happen in my life. There's a mountain between me and love, between me and being able to pay the bills, between me and a life that works, between me and the doctor telling me I get to go home from the hospital or whatever it is. People have that experience where it feels like whatever it is between me and my good is just insurmountable. Sometimes when you come to church and they tell you, well, you can do anything. It feels like a line. (laughs) I don't feel like I can do anything. Look at this thing. Look at this mountain. But I got to tell you, there is something amazingly powerful about the moment. And I know this because I speak from real experience. There is something amazingly powerful about the moment when you say, you know what, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. This has got to come from someplace else. And I know that sounds weird in a world where we're supposed to just master every single moment. We were supposed to know every single thing. You can get on your phone and get immediate validation before you leave the house that your hair and makeup is good. You can find out the weather everywhere you're going to go. You can get all kinds of validation about every moment. You can maximize your schedule and your to-do list. You can know every single thing in a world where we are supposed to master every detail, know everything. It seems to me sometimes that we are living in a world where it is really easy or seemingly really easy to live without any faith in anything at all. Because I got it all on paper, so to speak. And in a world like that, When I tell you that there is something absolutely magical, transformative, liberating about going, I don't got this. Think about what that means. I'm asking us to look in a different place. Because the magic happens when I say, I of myself can do nothing. I didn't write that one. There's something magic that happens in that moment. So where does it come from? That's the question. But as it turns out, that little piece of scripture has the foundation of the whole deal. So as we often do at the beginning of these, here is your moment of review. When you think about what Jesus is saying in that little moment, he gives us a foundation for how prayer can work and how this whole thing, whatever you want to call it, can really work. It goes like this. If you believe in your heart and do not doubt... You can say to the mountain, be up and cast into the sea, and it will be done for you, granted to you. You don't have to do it. It's done for you. Isn't that important? We don't pray for bigger muscles. We don't pray for the ability to get up a half hour earlier and maximize our to-do list. We pray that it gets handled, because this is not me that does the work. It is the Father. So if I think about those three steps, they constitute see, speak, 
surrender. This is the review, right? Because we know about this. Prayer doesn't start with what you say, and that's a big deal because some people think that prayer is just about learning the right combination of words, like it's a password to a treehouse. But prayer doesn't start with what you say. Prayer starts with what you see. If you have faith in your heart and do not doubt, it starts with what you see. Let's be the kind of people that are looking for good, looking for miracles, looking for little moments where I didn't know how that worked, but man, oh man, it worked. And if you think about your life, you're loaded with them. It's not hard to find if you look. Be so filled with the vision of something bigger. And you know what? I don't even care if you call it God. It is God, but God's not into brand recognition. Start where you start. If it's beauty or truth or justice, if you're, if you're just amazed at something, start there. You'll get to God. But get so filled with what you see that you can't shut up about it. See and speak. You're going to get so filled that you can't hold still. And you know that feeling when you're so inspired. When something is so true, so beautiful. When you love so big. You say to the mountain, be up and cast into the sea. And then it'll be done for you. You let it go. Man, oh man, I don't know about you, but sometimes that's the hardest part for me is the part where you, you actually let go of it and let God actually do what God's here to do. Let it go. And if you learn how to see and speak and surrender, you got this. Your moment of review is concluded. That's not all there is to say, though, because the deal is there's all kinds of ways to get there. That's just the foundation. We've got to have a blueprint. We've got to have a building. We've got to have the, the whole deal. And what I'm trying to say to you is there's all kinds of ways to pray. I don't know where you went to Sunday school. I don't know what book you're inspired by. I don't know where you've been. But at the end of the day, I'm not here to judge that. In the same way that I'm not here to judge if it's really love. That's something between you and the other person. That's something between you and God. I'm not here to judge that in the same way that I'm not here to judge love. Now, that being said... There are some things you can know when you're looking at something and decide whether or not it's love. You know, some of them are right there in Corinthians. You know that love isn't about ego and control. You know that love isn't abusive. You know that love tells the truth. There are certain things that you could, oh, wait a minute, that's love. And, ooh, I don't know what that is. That's more Ipovich stuff, but that ain't love. You can tell the difference. And in the same way, while I am not here to say it is only prayer, if you do follow these 57 steps and in five easy payments you can get my book because that's always the next thing they're about to sell you something. I'm not here for that. But there are certain things you can look at in the same way you can say, that's love and that's not. You can say, here's the deal. I know that if these things are going on, it's prayer. If you're the kind of person that writes stuff down, get your pencils ready. <laughs> it's prayer... When it is conscious communion with God. Prayer is conscious communion with God. So in other words, however you get there, you can't pray accidentally. you got to be conscious. <laughs> Seems like a no-brainer. But think about it. We're in a, a world where we like to automate everything. And I don't really have to sit and pray. And I don't have to do that. i got an affirmation post-it note on my, uh, on my mirror. i got a special bracelet that I just wiggle it just right. And that's prayer, right? Look, if that works for you, that's beautiful. But that's not the same thing as prayer. You can't pray accidentally or incidentally. And you have to be the one doing it. 
It's wonderful if other people are praying for you, but I'm talking about you and God. Prayer has to be conscious, and it has to be communion. In other words, there's a give and a take. It's not me throwing pennies at God's window. It's not an absentee landlord. And here's the big deal. It's not just talking, it's listening. (laughs) Prayer is a communion. It's conscious, and it's a communion with God. Big deal. That's kind of the thing. And once again, it seems like a no-brainer, but think about how many people say, I wouldn't believe in anything if it weren't for my lucky astrology mood watch or my special necklace or my whatever it is. But okay, we got the whole golden calf thing. We've talked enough about that. But let me put it a different way. When you pray, what's the biggest thing going on? Because if the biggest thing is your fear, it is not conscious communion with God. It is conscious communion with fear. And boys and girls, you get what you pray for. So what is the biggest thing to you in your prayer? And yes, this may take some practice. This may take some work. See, I got low. You got to sit in that for a minute in a horse stance. You got to sit in that for a minute because work on what the biggest thing for you is in your prayer. And you know you're on the right track and this is a process and we practice it and we get better and stronger at it. But it's prayer, no matter how you get there, no matter what words you say, no matter what book you read, no matter what workshop you've been to, it's prayer if it's conscious, if it's communion, and if it's with God. That's the deal. So, in other words, prayer is a conversation. Who the heck are you talking to? <laughs> that's the short version. Like I said, that's, that's the blueprint. That's the foundation. And if it helps you to think about prayer as the process of, of going to a temple... That's a nice way to visualize all of the things you've got to do to get into that prayer process. Now, we know that God is everywhere. God isn't just in certain buildings or whatever, but just to imagine it. Imagine you're going to a special place. Imagine it's a Sunday morning. Imagine it's some kind of pilgrimage. Imagine that kind of a situation. Too much? All right, I'll tell you a different story. Imagine it's a job interview. When my kids were babies, um, I was in a toy store with my son, And I informed him that it was a looking day. You have to be very clear about that. We're going to sign some things before we go into the Toys R Us. I informed him it was a looking day. And the reason it was a looking day is because our young family, plain and simple, we didn't have any money. Jenny had worked as a telemarker. I was doing computer stuff for an insurance agent. I had sold used cars. Wasn't great at it. Just wasn't. But we were doing everything we could think to do. And I was, as they say, between jobs. And so, boys and girls, it was a looking day. And me and my boy were looking at some cool stuff. And in front of a big group of people who were all gathered around, my son says, This is really cool. Dad, you got to get a job. (laughs) I became about three feet tall. But he was right. So I went looking. I looked in different places. Okay, enough is enough when the kid knows. you got to do something about it. And so I went and I, I, found this, I found a job interview. And it was a computer thing. And I've always wanted to be a minister, but that wasn't the time. And I was doing that on the side. And I was teaching classes. And I was doing that. But that was not what was paying the bills. And I had an aptitude for computer stuff. So I went out and I interviewed for the job. And I ironed my shirt. You know, and I did the thing, and I had a resume that had no experience on it. I never sat in a cubicle before. Nothing. 
But I did okay. I did good on the interview. We talked, and I talked about why I love this and how I, and I knew the stuff. They asked me technical questions, and I had good answers and all of that. Did all right. And it came to the part at the end of the interview when the lady who was going to be my boss said, Look, Dieter, um, there's a lot of people interviewing for this job. It's a good job. But all of them, except you, have been to school for this. It says here you have a degree in theology. Yeah? <laughs> and all of the people interviewing except you have experience. You don't. Yeah, and I started to kind of trail off as you do when you realize you're done. <laughs> and she said, but I just got to know, why should I hire you? And I did something you're not supposed to do in a job interview. I told the truth. And I looked her right in the eye and I said, none of them need this job as bad as I do. And I said, I will earn it every day. And she looked at me and she looked down at her paper and she looked at me and she said, you're hired. And I said, okay. But you know what? That's the process. Prayer is a process of deciding that you need a change. It's a process of getting yourself together. It's a process of showing up and stating your case. And it's the process of saying, I need this. And that's a big deal because for so many people, they think that prayer is just this, I, I know everything and it's just me and my ego telling God what to give me like he's Santa Claus. And then you walk away. But it ain't prayer unless there's that moment of, this has got to happen. Dad's got to get a job. But it's also the process of saying, okay, that's what it is. So it all starts, this prayer process starts with centering. This is the first step. There are five. This is step one. Step one is centering. And all that means is you decide that you're going to do this. It's the prodigal son moment when he gets up out of the pig slop and says, you know what, I'm going home. It's the dad's got to get a job moment. It's the moment where you say, okay, I'm in this. i got to look in a different place for my answers. The centering step is you doing whatever you need to do to get into the prayer space. Once again, God doesn't care if you light candles or not. God's already ready for you. Right? This is about you getting ready for God. And so, no rules just right. Although I wouldn't pray at the outback. Although, after you've had an awesome blossom or whatever they call it... Um, No, that's Chili's. Anyway, whatever you need to do. Some people like to sit on a cushion on the floor. Fine. Once again, God's already ready for you. What do you need to do? Some people have headphones and and nature sounds. Fine. As long as you don't think that somehow that makes you spiritual, as long as you remember this is just me getting to the place where I can be ready for God because I know God's already ready for me. Center, however you need to center. And try different stuff. Try different times of the day, different places. Try with the the lights off. Try whatever. Get up in the middle of the night. Try stuff. What do you need to do to get out of the way? That's the question. And you'll know when you get there, you'll feel it. And at that place, say a prayer. Say the prayer that was meaningful to you in Sunday school. Say the Lord's Prayer. Say our invocation. Say something so that you can say to yourself, no, this is prayer time. This is special. That's the point of the centering step. And you'll know when you did it. Easy. Although sometimes I work on this with people on a one-on-one basis. And just that takes weeks. So it's okay if you can't sit still. It's okay if... Oh, wait a minute. Candy Crush. It's okay if stuff happens. 
take your time for God because God has taken time for you. So that's centering. And the next step is blessing. So if you're walking up to the temple, imagine that you're at the front door now. What do you do? You wipe your darn feet. Jesus says that if you're going to go into the temple and you've got a grudge against your brother, you better not go in. Go make peace first. You know why? This is a deeply important and mystical moment. Here's how this works. Whatever you take into the temple, in other words, whatever you take into the conscious presence of God, whatever you take into prayer, you're going to get more of in your life. So wipe your feet. If you go into prayer with a grudge, with anger, with fear, with resentment, man, oh man, you know you don't want more of that. You don't want to put that into the machine. It is a magnifier. You don't want to say, God, here's what I'd like more of, jerks. God's like, I sent you a bunch. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Doesn't work. And you're done, right? So the blessing step is about really blessing other people. Step two has to do with, ooh, it's the F word, forgiveness. You didn't think I was going to say forgiveness, but it's Sunday. Come on. Forgive. Really forgive. Think about all of the people in your life that you've been thinking about. Learn how to bless each and every one of them. I'm not saying that everybody gets a pass. I'm not saying that you're going to say, it's okay with me that you're acting toxic. What I am saying is that toxic behavior no longer defines me. The thing that I like to say when I'm in that part of my prayer time, and I do this every day, the thing that I like to say is, you know what? Everyone has room in my heart today. You don't get a pass, but you got room in my heart. So what can you do to bless each and every person? What can you do to see them happy, not on your terms, but on theirs? What can you do to really forgive? And once again, this might take you one shot, and it might take you the rest of your life. Forgive. How do you know when you're done? You know when you're done when you can start to forgive yourself. Step two. So we got centering and we got blessing. And this is step three. It's called offering. I don't know about you, but I've gone to church my whole life. And one of my favorite things about being a little kid and going to church was when I would wake up. And my parents were both ministers, so they'd be gone. I'd wake up in an empty house and walk across the parking lot because the house was in the parking lot of the church. I would walk across the parking lot to go to church. But before I did, there'd be egos. Make yourself some breakfast. And there'd be a quarter. That was my offering. And that quarter was important to me. I don't know how shiny it really was, but in my memory it was like the sun. Every single Sunday this was a magic item because it meant I got to go participate in this thing that even as a little kid I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. Did you have a situation like that? Something like that maybe? Where this is the thing I'm supposed to do and I couldn't hold slide this quarter. I wasn't even listening to anything. It was time to put the quarter in the thing. I did the thing. Yeah, I did church. People say that kids are selfish, but in my experience, it's quite the opposite because kids want to, want to do the offering. They want to give a thing. Look at what I can do. That's what kids say. Kids are interested in the gift. They're not selfish at all. I am this explosion of growth and activity and magic, and I just want to give it to the world. That's what kids do. It's only adults, as you start to get old, that you start to think about what's in it for me. Kids think about what's in it from me. And if you change your mind about that, you'll get younger. I've seen it happen. It's true. What's in it from me? 
And this is a big deal because for a lot of people, prayer is the process, like I said, of giving God the shopping list. About saying, okay, God, I want a G.I. Joe with Kung Fu grip and I want a fire engine. And... Right? I mean, think about the way that people pray. I've prayed that prayer too. Never worked. Because that's not what God's here for. And remember also, the Bible says God knows what you ask before you ask it. So that's not what this is for. But here's what this part of the prayer. So it's centering, we had blessing. This part is called offering. And so what I'm saying is, this is where you give. So get as clear as you can about your hopes and your dreams. What are you praying about? Are you praying about healing? Are you praying about prosperity? Do you want to get along with people? Do you want to grow up? Do you want to get younger? What's your thing? Get as clear as you can about your vision because God doesn't mess around. You're here for a reason. What's your sense of what that reason is? It's okay if you don't know everything, but by golly, you know something. Get clear on your vision. But that's not the end of the prayer. It's not the beginning of the prayer. It's just the part of the prayer where you go, okay, God, here's my best shot, and I give it away. Here you go, God. Here's my version of this. What do you think? Because I know that you know better than me. So can you get clear on that? Can you be a visionary about that? Can you think about it and then go, okay, what do you got? This is all, this is the best of me. I got a list. I edit it every day. I think about it all the time. I know there's things I'm here to do, but I know that God knows better than me. Can I offer that up? That's what you're here for. Step four. So you've been talking. Now it's time to listen. Centering, blessing, offering, listening. <laughs> it's amazing that people don't have that in their prayer thing. They pray like a tobacco auctioneer, thinking if I can just get enough words in there, I'll get a soul out of God and I'm good. But here's the thing. The last thing I need is more of my dumb ideas. I'm the one that got myself into trouble in the first place. What I want when I pray is a bigger idea. Remember, this is the I need this job. So learn how to listen. So how do I listen to God? Good question. But wait a minute. You know the answer. How do you listen to anybody? You sit still and you wait. Sit in it. You're, you've, you've turned off the lights. You're sitting in a comfortable chair. You've done that stuff. You've done your forgiveness work. You've, you've thought about what it would be like if your prayer got answered. And now you sit and you wait. That's it. Now, it might help to think about infinity. There's something magical that happens when you just stop thinking about your problem and you start thinking about God. That's a nice thing to put in the back pocket there. Stop thinking about your problem and start thinking about God. It doesn't even matter what. You want to imagine that you're at the beach and you count grains of sand. Isn't it amazing that there's infinity everywhere, that the horizon goes on forever? And isn't it an amazing thing that I live in a world where people fall in love? Isn't it amazing that I live in a world where someone invented donuts? <laughs> if the aliens came down and said, we want to put a highway here, can you tell us why planet Earth should survive? What would you tell them? Maybe that's what you think about. We live in a world where there's Chuck Berry. I don't know. Whatever it is. Think about the awesome whatever it is. Fill yourself with the mystery and the amazingness. Think about what it feels like when you fall in love. Think about the fact that your life, no matter how rough it has been, has also been a series of amazing miracles when you didn't know how it was going to work out, but here you are. Think about what you got to think about. Imagine yourself in an infinite place. Because you are. And then wait. And you'll know. You'll know when you're done with the listening step because you get the breath of, oh, wow, okay. Just a wow moment. Not a big deal, but just, 
Oh, yeah, man, that's amazing. Paul Simon wrote all those songs. Pretty cool. I'm not here to judge that. What's awesome to you? Cultivate it. Practice awesome. And finally, step five is closing. You're done, right? Well, kind of. What do we say at the end of our prayers usually? We say, amen. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean aloha. It doesn't mean peace out. <laughs> There's no dab at the end of the prayer. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. Only people under 30 got that last joke, and that's okay. <laughs> I think sometimes we're just so used to saying amen that we don't even think about what it means. It's just the thing you do. It's the mic drop at the end of the performance or whatever. It's not anything, right? Well, it's important because amen means, and so it is. Amen means, are you ready for this? It means I agree with you. Did you know that? It's almost election season. We're about to be inundated with five million commercials where someone lies to you for 30 seconds and then they say, my name is Joe Blow and I approve this message. That's amen. Can you get to the end of your prayer time and say, you know what, I approve this message. In other words, here's the thing. Can you agree with God? Because God, I have it on good authority, likes you. Can you approve the message? Can you be okay with it? Think about that. Because there are a lot of people who are way more interested in their sick than in their well. What do you want to define you? Can you be the kind of person who identifies with the miracle? Who identifies with the healing? Can you be the kind of person who is defined by their love? Because we are told they will know that we're God's children, not by our dysfunction, not by our hate. They will know that we are God's children by our love. So how do you identify with the miracle? And all this sounds like big words, but think about it. How do you identify with the breakthrough, with creativity, with art and truth and beauty? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Imagine the basketball player visualizing the three-point shot and feeling it in their heart makes them a better player. How do you get better at the game of life? Can you identify with the healing? Can you approve this message? Because that's what it's all about. And I recognize that this means solving problems in a different way. But, you know, we're so used to solving them the old way that doesn't work. Life gives us mountains and we creative, brilliant humans just invent better and better climbing equipment. It doesn't really solve the problem and frankly it's boring. Think about all of the ways we have invented to, to save labor and save time and get up earlier and do the thing and ask yourself, are we any happier? What if our answers have to come from a different place? What if instead of getting better and faster at something that's always just going to get harder and harder, what if the perspective needs to come from a little bit higher up? What do you need to do to see things like God does? You get there how you get there, as long as it's conscious communion with God. But I'm going to ask you to try this for a week. Try these five things. Centering, blessing, offering, listening, closing. Try it for a week. Make time. I don't care if it's 30 seconds. Don't do it while driving or operating heavy equipment. Make time. Take five minutes. Take 30 seconds. Take an hour. It usually takes me about 20 minutes every day. I do it every day. I got a little thing on my phone that pops up. I don't really need that anymore because I've been doing it for a long time now. But whatever it is, practice because I have seen this change lives when there was no other answer because God is the answer. Because the thing that you're praying for, here's the secret. 
the thing that you're praying for, you're the answer. For God so loved the world that he sent it you. Be what the answer looks like. Because here's the deal. You got the job, but it ain't over. Now you got to show up every day. You got spreadsheets to fill out. You got things to do. Show up. Earn it every day. Love it every day. Be it every day. Be what the miracle looks like. Be the life. Be the love. Be the healing. It all starts with your prayer. Be the answer. Be the freedom. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube or you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.